right. Brock Lesnar is not here to put smiles on people's faces. Brock Lesnar is here to shock the WWE Universe and put tears in the eyes of children. The streak is over. We have a new king of swing. And Paul Heyman truly is the best non-wrestler on the mic today. This is the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. Jason, it's about 50 or so hours since WrestleMania. Uh, we've all realized the Undertaker streak is over. How you feeling? I, I mean, in terms of the Undertaker streak, I feel better than I did after it happened. As far as the product as a whole, which we'll talk about a lot, I feel I haven't felt this good about it in maybe years. Now, let, let's you know let, let's start right from there. When the Undertaker did not lift his shoulder for for there, and all of a sudden there's no bell that rang, and the crowd is just in stunned silence. What was your gut reaction? Did you think something went wrong? The Undertaker might have been knocked out. Was it we could have a restart? What was going through your mind when that happened? Besides saying, I really should have put you know everything I own. <laughs> uh, on a bet of you know forty to one or whatever it was on Brock Lesnar, I um I was waiting for them to maybe restart the match, and because it ended so oddly, you know they didn't ring the bell for what two or three minutes, so I thought they would I thought they would restart the match or something happened and there was a mistake and they would restart the match. That's what I thought when it first happened, because even. Heyman looked shocked. You know, I mean, he's supposed to know the result. They tell him backstage what's going to happen. And even he seemed surprised. Brock, everybody seemed surprised. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I thought they were going with that. Now, when when I saw it, I, I think my mouth was basically a, a gasp for, like, you know, a minute. I, I was just sitting there going... That's how I was too. I looked like the uh, the big uh, black dude that they showed um, who, who who couldn't. Believe. That's what I was like, and I was watching it with a um, you know another friend, and and he was also he couldn't believe it either. I mean, I I still kind of can't believe it, but at at the time it was you know we don't see shocking things in wrestling anymore. You know we've kind of seen it all at this point, right? For that to happen, that was among the most shocking things that I've ever seen in wrestling. Maybe the most shocking. And um, I just, I couldn't believe it. I didn't predict it. I didn't think this was coming. I thought The Undertaker would win easily. Um, And, and yes, a complete shock. Now, before we get into more about the actual, the match, which I, I know we disagree with slightly. I didn't think it was a very good match. I know you thought it was okay. Maybe a little better than okay. And I understand the fact that we've now found out that basically pretty early in that match, Undertaker got, had a pretty severe concussion, and Lesnar basically was working him through the uh, remainder of that match, which I'll give Lesnar credit for a guy who, you know, usually wouldn't think of as a guy who would be able to lead a match, especially the fact he doesn't work as much as some of these other guys that Taker has faced, you know, the Punks, the Triple H's, the Edges, you know, that guy, trip. Uh, Shawn Michaels, might have heard of him here or there, might be known as Mr. WrestleMania, have in the past where they were able to go and move around him and stuff. But do you think that this was more of a shock because The Undertaker, this is his thing, that the streak, or the fact that the build was done so, at least in my opinion, and I think we've discussed this quite a bit, poorly in the fact that it really didn't feel like there was ever a moment in this that Lesnar was going to win. And usually when you have these, you know... Hold on, though. Hold on. This is the thing. Sure. The point was, was we weren't supposed to think Lesnar was going to win. That's how they built the match. That's why we thought the build was so poor, because we thought the outcome was going to be that The Undertaker was going to win. So if we thought The Undertaker was going to win, yes, you should have built Brock up more. You should have built him to be scared. But they built him to be scared... Because inevitably he won the match. You know, when we see builds for these matches, that's usually how they do it. They'll have one guy kind of go over 
another guy during the intro to the match, and then the guy who was getting put under win the match. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, I think the reason why it was surprising was more because Brock, I think more because Brock's a part-timer, and I think because we did not think, I think we collectively, you know, the IWC, all the, you know, the WWE Universe, whatever you want to call them, all the fans, I think we all collectively thought, oh, yeah, there's no way the Undertaker's ever going to lose the streak. They're just not going to have it happen. He's not going to lose the streak. There's no way. And so I think that was where the shot came from. I don't think anyone really thought that he would lose this streak. We talked about it with Ed um, a few weeks ago in terms of Ed saying that he should lose, you know, he should lose the streak. But I, th- that was all hypothetical. I mean, I don't know if anybody thought it would actually happen. It, it's amazing. Amazing. Now... I guess, you know what, it's been, like I said, about 50 hours, 60, you know, somewhere in that range since Mania. And I think there's still a lot of people who still feel like it's a dream. They can't believe it actually happened. I mean, you know, we all move on with our lives, but when I still say the words that Brock Lesnar beat the streak, it doesn't seem real, you know? It seems like that's got to be a mistake for, you know, multiple reasons. One, because Brock, as you say, is a as a part-timer to the streak has over the last, you know, decade has been made out to be this monumental thing. And, but you were saying before that, you know, that they didn't build for any idea for Lesnar to even win. But, you know, besides the second Triple H match in these last five or six, you know, manias, when you went, uh, I'm sorry, not Triple H, I'm sorry, the, the HBK match, you, you pretty much always knew The Undertaker was going to win, but the build was done that there was doubt. And maybe well, that's what well, we should have realized, that there was, da- there was no doubt. And maybe, like, you know, usually that's, when but they... That's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. You said they always built for there to be doubt. Even last year with CM Punk, they built there to be doubt. And they, they built this to be no doubt. And they fooled us all. I, that, that's half the point of, that was half the point of this build is they fooled us all. They tricked us all. They swerved the whole entire WWE universe, whatever you want to call it. They swerved us all. And if we, if they would have built it differently, some people would have said, eh, you know, Brock might win. You know, maybe he'll win. If they built up him being this UFC guy, him not being scared, I think he's going to win. But they built a, the storyline of no doubt Undertaker's going to win. And that's why he lost. I don't know. I mean, before I, we... The, I'm sorry, you can continue. My apologies. Well, this is the thing. I know that, you know, you've talked about the idea that you're not crazy about them to take or losing the streak. And, you know, I, I've thought about it, and I'm not crazy about it either. But the one thing I've been thinking about this the last, you know, since it happened... No, the Undertaker controls his own storylines. He dictates what happens. He picked to go against Brock Lesnar... And he picked to lose against Brock Lesnar. Now he has a severe concussion. Brock helped him throughout the match. The match was not great. I'm, I'm not saying it was great. Um, it definitely seemed like something was off during parts of the match. But the point is, The Undertaker picked this to happen. So if this is The Undertaker's will, and this is what he wanted, who has been in the business for 30 years, then we should grant him his wish. People are up in arms, and they're, they're uh, you know, really upset saying that WrestleMania was ruined for them because Brock Lesnar won. I think that's ridiculous. Undertaker wanted this to happen. Let it be. Let it be. What they do with Brock from this point forward will be very interesting, to say the least. But this is what Undertaker wanted. This was his doing. He picked who he's going to lose to. Um, I think some of this could have to do with the fact that he has respect for Brock because of the whole UFC thing. I'm, I'm not really sure. Because the Undertaker's a big UFC fan, uh, I, I don't know. What, what are your What are your thoughts as far as Undertaker picking his his opponent to lose to, and and kind of how the the anger of the fans and fervor of the fans have been? Um, well, first on that, I guess I would say that anything when when it happens that's unexpected right away, it's going to be looked at in you know a negative negative view, and I think a lot of this will come down to what they like you said what they do with Lesnar. 
over the next year and if he re-signs. I mean, I think that realistically, Lesnar most likely shouldn't lose until at least SummerSlam, more likely Rumble or Mania, make him the unstoppable force and whoever beats him, if it is his last match next WrestleMania, is the guy who beat Lesnar and who beat the streak, you know, the guy who beat the streak, which, you mm-hmm. know, could, we'll get this into more as we go on. We're not talking about this now, which, you know, very well after what they did last night could be, you know, the King of Swing, you know, Antonio Cesaro. I know that's yeah, I, way yeah, down the line, but before we get, we'll get into Cesaro later on in the program, but I really think that the best way to look at this is twofold. One, if you like the, if you, if you like the idea that the streak is over and two, on who ended the streak. Because I think most people, when you think about it long enough and you get it through the idea of that part of, you know, it's his, it's Undertaker's thing. If he wants to lose, he loses. But, you know, for a lot of people, the streak was one of the main attractions for Mania every year. And now that it's gone, I think it kind of takes, doesn't take away the luster of Mania, but it's one of those, one of the symbolisms of Mania is now gone. And two, was Brock the right person to end the streak? It's one thing. Hold on, let me, let me finish this. Hold on, let me finish this. Does it matter that he was the right person? I think it does. I think it really does, man. We didn't pick him to lose. The WWE didn't pick him to lose. The Undertaker picked to lose to him. I mean, whether we think he's the right guy or not, this isn't the WWE or the writers or McMahon or Triple H. This is Undertaker saying, I want to lose to this guy. So whether he was the right guy or not, who are we to say who the Undertaker should lose to? Well, as, as people who pay money, I think we could have an opinion, though. We can have an opinion. I agree with that. And that's what this show is. The show is two not what, what what's the tag? Two non professionals talking about professional wrestling. You know, this is <laughs> when we're talking here, this is our opinion on, you know, different subjects that make us happy, which make us sad, which frustrate the hell of us, or you know, that make us go and say this is why we're happy to be wrestling fans. And you know what? As much as I may or you may not like the idea that Undertaker no longer has the streak, besides the word mania that is why we have a show right now, to be able to talk about these things and go, you know what, this is terrible, this is great. Maybe uh, Cesaro should have been the guy who beat the streak, maybe Roman Reigns, maybe nobody should ever beat the streak. I think this is what makes this form what we're doing, this podcast, why it's so great. We can disagree, but you know what, this is our outlet to go and say, like every fan who pays to to go either for the network, for the pay-per-view, who actually went to New Orleans... This is, they're able to have their own. Do they, sometimes they go overboard, which we'll talk about many times, especially when we talk to Ed most weeks. Fans go a little bit crazy here and there. But in the long run, the reason why we have this podcast is to talk about these issues and give our opinions. Yeah, we don't make decisions, but you know what? When we go to ROH in a month and a half, when we go to the next time we go to Monday Night Raw, if I go to, you know, in uh, two months or whatever, to a house show with TNA when they go to the Hammerstein, I have a right as a paying customer and someone who talks on this podcast to go and give a critical critical opinion, even if it's not right. the opinion of the WWE. That, that's, I'm not saying we can't give an opinion, but I'm saying I think this, I think this is different than, we can definitely give an opinion on what we think should have happened, but I think this is different than Analyzing who The Undertaker should have lost to is a little different than analyzing Daniel Bryan's run or analyzing what's happened with any of the other characters. Just because I think for The Undertaker, this was a very personal decision. So I think we can have an opinion, and that's what we're going to do. But I think this is a little different. I think the fact that this is a very personal thing for him and that he decided this is a little bit different. But anyway... Who do you think, what do you think should have happened? I mean, knowing that, I'm going to preface it by saying, we know now The Undertaker is, is done. And the, is this done? match, look, I mean, Corey, he looked, he didn't, I mean, he had a severe concussion. He didn't look good. I mean, he didn't look good. He didn't look in, in that good a shape. I mean, I, I think I think the end was really much more near than we thought. Knowing that the end was much more near than we thought, was there something you would have liked to have seen happen? Was there another opponent you would have liked to have seen go against him? You know what? Let's 
let's talk about that on the other side of the break. We will be back with a lot more about The Undertaker and Mania and, you know, the fallout of Monday Night Raw. But uh, this is the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, and we'll be back in a mere moments. Thank you for listening, guys. A lot of people take the word impossible as a negative thing. They're just reading it the wrong way. The word actually says, I'm possible. All you have to do is change your point of view and believe. Welcome back, where we believe that The Undertaker has officially lost his streak, and we believe that one of us, at least, that Brock Lesnar wasn't the right guy to end it. And, and you know what else we thought? We thought it was impossible, but it turned out I'm possible. So, and Brock was possible to beat him. So I, I, don't, I don't know what the hell happened. Um, before the break, we were talking about, you know, I was asking you the question, and you kind of teased it heading toward the break. What would you have liked to see happen, knowing that the Undertaker was going to lose, knowing that it was the end of the streak, knowing that it's very possible this is Undertaker's last match? What would you have liked to see different? Who would you have liked the Undertaker to have picked to lose to? And, you know, what, what do you think about that? So, so we're, first of all, we're going on the idea that he had to lose, right? He didn't look he didn't look good even before the um, concussion. He didn't look like he was as in good shape as he's been in years past. You know, he, he just he didn't look great. He really didn't. I didn't even think his promos were very good this time. I, I thought he really was was down a notch from where he previously was. So, you know, I, I feel like he was going to lose because, you know, uh, apparently, he always had to lose. All right. I think that's the way that he thought about it. I think that is. I do think that is the way that he thought about it. All right, I'm going to cop out of this, and I'll, maybe I'll come back and answer it. But I'm going to, I'm going to throw this slightly differently because I honestly am not sure what what should who we should have lost to. But as of a result, what happened last night with that fantastic promo by one Paul Heyman? Let me give you something and tell me how you thought this might have played out. Yeah. And I guess this is totally out there, wasn't going to happen, never will happen, it's already happened, this and that. But following on what actually happened last night, how amazing would it have been if it was Cesaro who beat the streak? I know this is, should have not happened this year, of course, but Cesaro had beat the streak, Cesaro comes out, and then you have the whole type of thing where he goes and tells Zeb the same thing, I'm not a Zeb culture guy. I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Then Paul Heyman came out and did a similar promo, fully putting over Cesaro. Because I think in the long run, the person who goes and has the most to gain from the Undertaker's losing of that streak isn't Brock Lesnar. I think the person who's going to gain the most is going to be the character of Paul Heyman. And especially if at some point you bring back that mythical guy named CM Punk, where you can do something where it wasn't Paul, it wasn't uh, Punk that was the problem. It was Heyman went and didn't have the right guy to go and get it done. But whoever Heyman now represents for the rest of his career, he's the manager of the guy who ended the streak. And because Heyman's going to mostly be around a lot longer than one Brock Lesnar, I think the guy who actually goes and will be the flag bearer of keeping the idea of the streak forever, be as long as Paul Heyman's there, whoever Paul Heyman represents, it's the pedigree of being the guy who goes and says, I'm Paul Heyman, you come under me, you will be great. You will be able to do things like break the Undertaker's streak. Break the Undertaker's streak, be WWE champion for 434 straight days. You're right. I mean, that's an excellent point. Um, now Paul Heyman has set himself up and we talked about this uh, last week or the last few weeks how I felt like they should have made the feud more personal for Heyman but now it turns out 
it is become almost his legacy in terms of the streak. I mean, he's the one who talked for 15 minutes. He's the one who got the booze. You know, the fans were mad about Lesnar, but it was really Paul Heyman who made it personal to him. Um, and so I, I agree with you 100%. And I think whoever Heyman's with is going to get the rub of the Undertaker streak, the 434 consecutive days of WWE champion. And, you know, I, I think they've flubbed a couple of these Paul Heyman guys, see Ryback and see Curtis Axel, now Ryback <laughs> Um, but I think with guys like Shazaro, they really got a chance to turn it around as far as a Paul Heyman guy really putting him over as a big star. Now, like I said, I don't know who should have beat The Undertaker. Me and my personal beliefs, I know it's... Well, it sounds like you think Cesaro should have beat him. Well, based on the promo that happened last night and the fact that Cesaro is with Heyman, I just think it could have worked well where Cesaro beats the streak... And then you have Heyman come out and endorse him and then just do that amazing, amazing speech about Cesaro, a guy who still, at this point, still can't talk as well as one would hope and was bigger than, as much as we all love uh, Zeb Coulter and his mid-card managerial gimmick, which is uh, phenomenal. But if you want to be a headline guy, especially if you are... I mean, this is totally another subject if Cesaro is going to be a face or a heel. But if you're yeah, going to, I was thinking the same thing. If you're going to be on that next level, you got to be with Heyman. You got to be with Bobby Heenan. You, you only goes for for every you know Yokozuna that Mr. Fuji had. There was a lot <laughs> more you know powers of pain type of guys who were terrible. So I yeah, mean, I if you want to go and make that next level for a guy who isn't ready to talk on his own. You stick him with Heyman. You don't stick him with Zip. I agree. One. I agree one hundred percent. You know they had the Slick Ricks and and you know the Mister Fujis and the Harvey Whipplemans and they had these mid card managers, but the, the manager of Andre the Giant was Bobby Heenan. So he was a guy who was the headline manager. I, I mean he was amazing, obviously. And now Heyman is that guy. So, yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you 100%. Heyman is the guy to put a guy in the main event. He's the manager to be in the main event. Zeb Coulter is a great mid-card manager, but Zeb Coulter, but uh, Paul Heyman's the guy. And, you know, going back going back to The Undertaker, I think, that, like I said, I will always believe that The Undertaker should have not lost, and that was his thing. But let's get to the idea which you started to mention, and I kind of cut you off before the break. So you believe, and I believe it should be this way, but you think the Undertaker is the last time we saw Undertaker in the ring as an active participant is at WrestleMania 30. You think he's retired? Yes, I, I think. I mean, Corey, I don't want to say he mailed it in because I never want to say that the Undertaker did that, but he did not look in great shape. You know, he 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 his promos weren't great. I, I didn't feel like we got the best of the Undertaker. And that could be the fact that he's an almost 50-year-old man, you know, and his body's broken down pretty bad. Um, I just, I don't feel like we saw the best of him. And I think he knows that. And so I, I don't, I don't think we'll see him again. And you, so are you okay with the, the last image of The Undertaker? Is that walking away? Or do you, do you want to see him break kayfabe a little bit? And be there on a raw, or do you just we never see him? I mean, if we see the Undertaker again, how do you want to see him, or is it too early to make that type of uh, opinion? I think that if he retires, he'll come on a raw, and he'll and he'll, he'll and he'll you know cut a promo about this be, this being the end for him. Um, I don't see them just saying the Undertaker retired. See you at, see you at uh, the Hall of Fame next year. And I think he will be the headliner for next year's um, Hall of Fame class. I did put that on Twitter. I asked that question. But um, I think he will be on a Raw, and I think he will talk about everything that's happened in his career and that it's time. He got beat. The streak is over, and it's time for him to move on. So let's let's get into, before we move on to some more things, let's get into one more thing, which we've spoken about at length, but I just want to get – to close the book on this, at least for right now. Or as I would say, you know, 
close close the casket on this particular situation. Do you think I know it's his decision, but do you think Brock Lesnar was the right person for them to end the streak with? In my opinion, no. Is there a right per- is there a right person? And if there isn't a right per if there isn't a right person, do you end the streak? I like I said, not taking the taking away the fact that if he wants to end the streak, he ends the streak. I'm just saying if you're booking, if you have Jason Jason Brooks have the bookers uh had at the moment, do you end the streak if you don't have someone you feel it helps? You know, I'm thinking about wrestlers and guys getting put over, and all these guys lose. The Rock's lost. Stone Cold has lost. Shawn Michaels has lost. Bret Hart's lost. Triple H hasn't lost as much as I think he should, but Triple H has lost. John Cena's lost a lot. All these guys have lost. All the great performers. Shawn Michaels calls himself Mr. WrestleMania, and he's lost quite a few of these. I'm okay with him losing. I don't think you have to go out with him not having lost the streak. I think Brock wasn't the right guy, mainly because I don't know how this helps him. I think he's already such an over guy. He's such a you know he's an ass kisser kicker. Everyone believes that you know when he comes out he's going to kick someone's butt. I don't know where this helps him. So I guess that's my only issue with this. Not even that he's a part-timer. Beyond that, how does this help him? He's already gigantic. He's already a guy, if he says, I want to challenge for the WWE World Heavyweight title, we believe him. We're not like, oh, I I don't know. We already believe him. We talked about wins and losses, and you talked about how they should have done different things with Brock leading up to this point in terms of wins and losses. I don't even really remember all his wins and losses because they're almost irrelevant. He is a guy who's already a big guy no matter what. And, again, I'll come back to the I don't know where this – I don't see where this really, really helps him. So I think that's my biggest issue with it. Beyond him being part-time, I don't see how this helps him because he's already so big. That's an interesting uh, interesting take on that. Um, To close this out, I guess I would say is I would have not ended the streak. I understand what you're saying. Pretty much everyone, when you – even back in the day when a guy left the territory – to, to move on, he would usually lose and put someone else over on the way out. Absolutely. But I think it just, I think though this was his his impact and I'm just not sure that I would have done it if it was my company. You know, if I was the guy writing the, writing the check every week to these guys and was hoping that people bought pay-per-views, I don't think I would have had The Undertaker lose. I mean, the only way that I think it would have been worse if he would have had quote unquote passed the torch to John Cena. I think the whole entire world, the wrestling world, might have imploded <laughs> if they had done that. But um, it's happened. It's unfortunately over. I think we most likely. I you know what? I don't know if we've really seen the end of the Undertaker. I really think the Undertaker, once he's feeling a little bit better, might have the itch to come back. You never know. I mean, and wrestle again? I don't know. I mean. Corey, he did not look good. You think he looked all right? You think he looked good? No, I, look, I think he looked terrible. But you know what? Do you really want the last image to go out that way? I think that's also the other part. Yeah, yes. Uh, as opposed to him coming back for another year, another year older, he'll, he will have, he will be 50 years old, and he already looks pretty broken down. You want him to come back again? I think that's a, I think that's a grave mistake. I think it's a great. I think it's a, I think it's a really big mistake. I mean, we already see enough of these guys come back being broken down. I, I, I don't want to see it. I, I really, I don't want to see it. I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, like I said, I, I just think that he, there is a chance. I don't think it's definite that he's done. I mean, I don't think, you know, they're going to... Could I see them doing a story where he comes back and wants revenge for losing the streak against uh, Brock next year and you end it with him get Yeah, the streak's over, but... He basically he goes and beats Brock next year, and basically ends it with the win. I can maybe see that happening. I think when he lost, that basically closed the door on him facing you know Sting you know at WrestleMania 31, which I never thought was going to happen. By the way, 
well, you know, Sting went to put up a nice show and telling people at WrestleCon, which is one of the uh, smaller get-togethers that happened over WrestleMania weekend, we had a bunch of the uh, older guys like the, the uh, Goldbergs of the world were there and Sting. But we went and Sting went and said, my new favorite number is 31, which made everyone think he'd be there for WrestleMania 31. But I don't see the point of the only guy who never signed with the WWE coming in if it's not for to face the Undertaker. So I mean, why? Why he could do? He could do. There's a million guys he can put over. It's a million guys where they could do the gimmick of I was a fan of yours growing up, blah blah blah, and then he puts them over at WrestleMania. There's a million guys he can do that with. Why does he have to do that against the Undertaker? Because I think it was kind of a dream match. You know, the fit. The, the These guys are they're combined a hundred years old. Sting's 55 years old. The Undertaker's 49. Who wants to see these old 60-year-olds out there? There, I think there's quite a few people. Because it's basically the franchise player from both federations, from WWF slash E and from WCW. I think these were the two guys that, yes, a million years ago when Undertaker was mean Mark Calloway, <clears throat> being actually matched by Paul Heyman at the time. Now the circle of like, you know, changes over there uh but there was a point where those were the two biggest guys those were the faces of each company and i think there is a bunch of fans who would like to see it there's been interest by many people and i don't think we see it now and i don't think it means almost anything if the streak wasn't part of it at least you know we don't have to see uh, cena beat the streak that's, I guess that's the one positive we take out of all this. <laughs> and we got to see one hell of a promo for, by uh, Mr. Paul Heyman. Is no, there- I agree. I agree 100%. As far as the Sting thing goes, listen, I like Sting. I'm not as big of a Sting fan, Mark, as you are. And I'm, we call Mark being a, a big fan of someone. I know you're a big Sting, Mark. I never, I like Sting. I never was a big Sting, Mark. I never really saw the appeal, to be honest with you, the Undertaker-Sting match at WrestleMania. Maybe, you know, I just, I never, I like the idea of Sting coming in and putting over a younger guy, but I don't need two 60-year-olds, almost, you know, one almost 60 and the other one 50. I don't need to see two, you know, 50-year-olds out there, you know, trying to put a match together. I'm all set. All right, before, before we go to break, let me... It's just totally out there, and maybe just because, like I said, I am, as they call him, Mark. He is my favorite wrestler of all time. I mean, it's sad to see what, you know, some of the things that happened to him when he went to TNA. Hope that's our only TNA reference to the show, but, um, <laughs> yes, everybody. When was the last time you watched the show? Um, um, three weeks ago, possibly? I don't know. It's WrestleMania season. We, we, watch, we watch quality programming if we can. Uh, yeah, Chris, Christy Hemi's part of the creative team. Whoopty freaking do. Let's see what she can do. I'm guessing nothing. But we move on. All right, because you brought this up. You said that you would like to see Sting come in. But honestly, I don't know who you would have him go up against if it wasn't The Undertaker. I mean, only other guys I can think of that are on, if you're going to use Sting at, on that level, is if somehow you make Bray Wyatt a big enough star by next WrestleMania. If you go and have Cena versus Bray uh, Wyatt's a big enough star now, Corey. He just went against the, he just went against the biggest the, the face of the company, and yeah. he almost won the match. Almost, and he's big enough to go against Sting now. I mean, I, I know you love Sting, but let, let's be honest: who is he to these fans? He, first of all, well, first of all, uh, the IWC, the Internet Wrestling Community, we know they love him, but to the average fan out there. They may know who he is, but a lot of WWE fans didn't really watch WCW. And Sting has been gone for years now in the wasteland known as TNA. And they get one million people to watch their show every week, whereas the WWE gets five million or four million. So there's a lot of people who haven't watched Sting in a very long time. So to put him on this pedestal, if he's this big guy, so we've got to have this big guy go against him. You know, I, I think it's a little bit of a falsehood because he is he is not the guy I think that you think he is and that the maybe the, some of the Internet fans think he is. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's that big. I think he's big, but I think he's big enough for Bray Wyatt. He's big enough for Cesaro. He's big enough for those guys. 
to put those guys over. He did that in TNA, and he can do that in WWE. Oh, in no way am I saying he should win a, a match at Mania. I'm just saying he deserves the right to be at Mania. And also, you know, if I know it's the hardcores of the hardcores are the guys that are there the night after Mania. But you saw quite a number of people, at least I did, a quite a number of people wearing Sting, you know, face paint <laughs> last night. And people who were wearing Sting masks, you know, maybe they were pretty ugly and they needed, you know, needed something to cover their face. <laughs> but they I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying, you know, the makeup looks really nice. What can I say? Everybody wants to look like the crow, you know, uh, on a in New Orleans on a Corey, Monday Corey, night. This is the thing. Would he get a big pop if he came in? Yes. Would people like him? Yes. Would he be different? Maybe the younger fans wouldn't know him, but he had the face paint on, so they would like him. They'd, hear, they'd see the adults cheering for him, so they would cheer for him. Yes. I, a feud with him and Bray Wyatt, I think, could be awesome. Bray Wyatt puts on the Sting makeup. You know, he kind of will do the, you know, the counterbalance of the guy. You know, I think a feud with them could be phenomenal, phenomenal. But I'm, you know, I'm not in a rush to see it. I think we'll see it when the time is right. And I guess that right now the time's not right. Well, my prediction is, before we go to break, my prediction is if we do see Sting at WrestleMania 31, well, first of all, I'll be, I'll, I'll hope if I can afford it, I'll be there. And two, I see him facing John Cena. Okay. And I think it will be an atrocious match due to the fact that if Sting, if, if Cena has to be the person who's going to go and build a match, I, as much as I love Sting, Sting at this point can be a disaster when it comes to figuring out what he's doing in the ring at times. So I'm hoping, really I'm hoping that uh, he gets a mania payday. And it's against somebody we care about. All right. And, and, and uh, on that note, Corey, let's uh, take a quick break here. Um, you're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. And look at this. Oh! Page! The cover! What's the line on the page? Oh, my God! Page did it! Women are champions! What? Welcome back to the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, where AJ Leach learned that sometimes it is time to turn the page. And with every page turner, new and exciting news will come. And it's time to go to Brooks with a little news for us this week. Look at you, Corey. Good intro. All right, so let's start off with the raw rating, which... You know, we talked about this in between our break segment. I was really curious to see what the rating would be. Monday's Raw scored a 3.7 rating, up from a 3.14 rating um, the previous week. Raw averaged 5.145 million viewers, up from 4.390 million last week. I mean, that's almost a million people more. That's a tremendous, tremendous rating. The WWE has to be really, really excited about that. Um, last year's post WrestleMania show averaged 4.61 million viewers, so that's that's up 500,000 people from last year. So a huge, huge rating for Raw. Now that's very interesting. A couple of points on this. One last year we that was coming off of The Rock with uh, beating Cena, and we had the cash in of Dolph Ziggler. This year we had the fallout of the Undertaker's streak. And we had the fallout from Daniel Bryant winning the title. Now, what I, I'm wondering is, and you, I'm sure that your opinion will be different than mine because it usually is in these situations. <laughs> what was the reason that you think we had such a, a great number, especially going up against an eight seed versus a seven seed in the NCAA men's final? Which you know we'd all like to say congratulations to UConn's men's basketball team. Blah 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 blah. Didn't even watch the game. Go ahead. Well, I'm just asking you. What do you think? Uh, why do you think it was I such think, a big rating? I think it, for the rating to be that high, I think it was a, definitely a combination of factors. I don't think there was just one thing. Um, I think it was Daniel Bryan. I think people were excited. As much as there were a lot of people who were pissed about The Undertaker losing, I think there were that many more people excited about Daniel Bryan winning. Um, I think that people were curious about whether The Undertaker would come out and announce his retirement on Raw 
what have you. But I think that those people who are mad about The Undertaker losing, they're part of the 4 million who are watching every week. I think those extra people that watched were the people who really wanted to see Daniel Bryan and hear him his thoughts on winning and excited about seeing him win. Interesting. And, of course, I think that people tuned in for the idea of a fresh start, the first new Raw to see where things were to go. And I think that there was a huge idea of going on, would The Undertaker be there? And if so, how do they go? And does this build to something else? And I really think that, yeah, I honestly think, and we'll talk about this most likely more at another time, but with The Undertaker losing the streak, I think that overshadowed the win of Daniel Bryant so much that I think most people went and the image, the lasting image and the idea that most people had coming out of Mania was the end of the streak, not the crowning of a new champion. So I think a lot of people were watching to see how they followed up with The Undertaker. Okay. We'll agree or disagree. Uh, on to news of the week, more news. Uh, Ring of Honor news. Ring of Honor Super Card of Honor was this weekend um, in New Orleans. Jay Lethal won the world television title in two falls to one over Tommaso Ciampa. Truth Martini helped Lethal pull the victory out and is now a House of Truth member. So I guess Jay Lethal turning heel. Be interested to see how that plays out. What do you think about that? Do you think uh, Jay Lethal, for people who may not know him from ROH, but know him from TNA with his uh, run as you know Black Machismo and his classic on the mic back and forth with Ric Flair? Do you think? Yeah, he, I think he can be a good heel. You think he's a good heel? All right. I, I think I think the one thing that he developed in TNA is his mic skills. I've liked him on the mic with Ring of Honor, and I thought he's done a lot better job. So I, I do think that he will do a good job as a heel. And usually these guys, as baby faces, if they're not great on the mic, they don't always know what to do. But as heels, they, they can kind of get into, dig into their character a little bit more. So I, I see him doing pretty well as a heel. Michael Elgin defeated Kevin Steen with a powerbomb package pile driver to earn the right to face IWGP heavyweight champion Okada at War of the Worlds in New York City, which you and I will be attending. And you know what? Okada is one of the uh, the best guys out there right now. And this is very interesting. In these last couple of matches that Kevin Steen, as we spoke about last week, has left on his deal with, you know, the idea of him, I guess, being in really good shape. People who saw him live, they said this was one of the, could be one of the matches of the year. And it's going to be interesting to see what this means for Elkin. Is it finally time for, for him to take that next step? I mean, I don't see him going over to Japan and, you know, being their champion. But I could see him having another incredible match and possibly being the next guy to face Adam Cole, which we'll talk, which you'll talk about in a moment, and maybe go, and this may be his moment to go and finally take that mantle place as the next big thing in ROH. Yeah, I think uh, as far as Michael Elgin, they've already kind of built him to be the guy to go against Adam Cole, you know, on television. You know, every week he's kind of doing something on TV saying he wants Adam Cole, saying he wants to go against him. So I think that'll definitely happen later in the year. Uh, in the main event, Ladder War 5 for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Adam Cole defeated Jay Briscoe to retain and become the undisputed Ring of Honor World Champion after Mike Bennett and the icon, Matt Hardy, interfered. Well, it was, it was nice to see that uh, they've decided to move move on. I mean, as much as I like Jay Briscoe, because I think he has a very interesting, to say the least, style for promos, I think it's good to see that they've decided that Adam Cole, at least for this moment, is going to move on to, some, to something new. That something new off the top is going to be at uh, the, the 10th in May. The first uh, show with New Japan will be facing Kevin Steen for the title, which will be interesting again to see... Uh, how Kevin Steen is, you know, in Canada, how they respond to him possibly, you know, leaving, you know, leaving the company on the, you know, losing, just not anyway to the extent of, you know, an undertaker, of course, but, you know, guy like we spoke about before, when he's leaving the company, he takes the losses and put other guys over. So it's going to be interesting to see the reaction he gets in these next couple of shows. Uh, in AJ Styles news, uh, AJ Styles de- debuted this past weekend in Tokyo as the newest member of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster 
as the new leader of the Bullet Club turning on Prince Devitt. Word making the rounds is that he signed a one-year deal with the promotion. Now, you know, that's pretty interesting on a couple of fronts. One, uh, with AJ, there's always been this ridiculous idea that somehow TNA, from the beginning, that he was going to go, this was all storyline, and he was going to come back to TNA and, you know, win back the title, be the conquering hero. If he's signing a, a deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the only dates that he's doing in America are going to be ROH, you know, because they have the, uh, the cross-promoting right now. And also, it's going to be interesting, you, the other name you mentioned, Prince Devitt, who's been, for a couple of months, is supposedly has had a deal on the table with uh, the WWE and has also had interest from TNA. He's that big, you know, big prospect that everybody wants. So it's going to be interesting to see if Prince Devitt, you know, we see him in NXT or uh, at TNA anytime soon. And, and big, really big news, and I think it's bigger than Corey thinks, and we'll talk about that. As rumored for months, TNA founder Jeff Jarrett is starting a new wrestling promotion. The company will be called, called Global Force Wrestling. I don't know where the hell he got that name from. Global Force Wrestling, and at this time, neither country music star Toby Keith or CMT have been formally connected to the project. Another announcement will be made Monday, April 14th. So it sounds like they'll trickle in announcements kind of leading up to the start of the promotion. Now, you know what? Coming into this, there's been a lot of rumors that it was going to maybe have been, you know, a Karen and Jeff reality show. Maybe the announcement was the idea that they would have a reality show with the idea of getting guys for this promotion. I think it's interesting on the idea that, well, twofold, one, that, you know, they may be waiting to find out what happens with TNA if Spike TV continues to be a partner because both Spike TV and CMT both are owned by Viacom. So it's going to be interesting to see if they, you know, maybe they're waiting to find out what happens with TNA so they get that, uh, that time slot, you know, that. So it's going to be a couple of interesting things. I mean, I think that Jarrett has a good mind for wrestling. I mean, but how many times do you have to go and try to be number two until you realize that all you really are doing is being a huge number two. But the thing is, as we see with Ring of Honor and even Dragon Gate in California, you can be a company that makes money without having to be WCW. You don't have to be, you don't have to compete with the WWE in order to be a successful wrestling promotion in this country. And I think if Jeff Jarrett sets his sights on being the best GFW company that they can be, the best global force that they can be instead of trying to compete with the WWE. They're not the WWE. Don't try to compete with them. If they're trying to be the best company that they can be, they will probably make money and probably do well. Don't try to compete against the WWE. Let them be. Um, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, and my mind always goes to, you know, where the money is going to flow in this. Because Jeff Jarrett, I'm sure he's financially he does okay, but I don't think he has enough money to start his own wrestling promotion. So where's his money going to come? Is it going to come from Toby Keith? Is it going to come from Toby Keith? Is it going to come from somewhere else? I, you know, I don't know. Corey, any ideas or any thoughts about what they could be doing, where the money could be coming from? Um, I think that even though we didn't hear it, I think it's going to be Toby Keith. And I think there's most likely quite a few investors who will always believe that Someone can compete with the WWE or believes that the wrestling boom is still going on, even though the idea of, you know, getting a five, five million viewers, you know, the day after Mania is a nice sign. But I, I don't know if the wrestling boom really is where, the you know, Jeff Jarrett or Dixie Carter, the Dixie Carters, the Gabe Sapolsky's of the world hope they are, you know, hope they're at at this point. So, I mean, I think that this is something that's going to, in the long run, will fail. And you know what? So hold on. You not you don't think there's enough of a demand for the wrestling product in the country? You think the market's oversaturated? Because I, I think that there could be a promotion that, if marketed right, if put on television, could absolutely do well. TNA has been run into the ground. We already know that. Now they got Christy Hemming being a booker. I mean, we know <laughs> what's going on with TNA. Okay, but to say that there can't be a successful, another successful promotion. In this country, I don't know. I think that there is a market for that. Hey, you got I mean, a point. We've got five million people to watch it. Five million people. A lot of people. I think that, you know, 
TNA gets one million people. I think that another promotion, I don't think they can get five million people to watch, but they can get a couple of million a week. And if they can do that, they could absolutely be successful. But they need a, they need money, and they need TV. And I think with Jeff Jarrett, I think he's starting this because he knows that they have some type of TV deal in the works, and they have money with Toby Keith. You know, I think this mysterious, you know, uh, the, the mysterious, you know, four million or five million viewers who one day decided that when WCW went out of business, we're going to come back and watch an alternative. That's never happened. It's never going to happen. WWE is going to be number one for as, until, until they do something stupid enough that nobody wants to watch wrestling anymore. And everyone else is going to be fighting for scraps. It's great that TNA is on a, on a secondary network with Spike. It's nice that, you know, um, what's, his, what's it called? Uh, I forgot who actually does it, but someone decides to put ROH. Um, Sinclair Broadcasting puts, you know, ROH on every week. I'm glad that, you know, in California you have, you know, P, PWG, Gorilla, you know, Pro Gorilla Wrestling. I'm glad you got all these little things who, who try to do iPay-per-views. But, you know, for all the New Japan Pro Wrestlings that are doing it right, the majority of them don't know what the hell they're doing. And in the long run, they don't exist. And as much as I'd like to see an alternative, and as much as I hope that alternative was, you know, TNA or ECW, WCW, ROH, there's one there's one giant, and at some point that giant always picks up its foot and crushes everybody underneath. So until I see some real momentum with Jeff Jarrett and somehow he goes and gets all these people who should have been retired 15 years ago, you know, if he can give them, you know, billions of dollars to Goldberg who shouldn't be in a ring anymore, if he gives, you know, money to, if the thing with Sting doesn't work out and Sting decides to go there... If, you know, Christopher Daniels, whose contract is going to be up, I think, in another month or so, he decides to go there, great. If you can get all these guys to go there, that's wonderful. But you're going to have to show me what you're going to do besides, you know, most likely at 1230 on a Monday watching, you know, ESPN Classic and you're watching the GWF, watching, you know, the Lightning Kid face, you know, Chaz, and decide, oh, let me name my company Global, Global Fuel or whatever the hell he's calling his company. I don't give a damn. Let, let me let me hear something that actually matters. I mean, if you want to go and talk about, you know, the, the WWE Network, you know, stock went down 15% over the last, you know, 16% over the last two days, even though that they went and got the idea that the network is a, is a success, you know, with over 600,000, you know, 600,000 subscribers, that's great. Those are things that matter. But Jeff Jarrett trying once again to go and have a job because Vince McMahon's never going to give him one. And this time, Daddy can't help him because he pissed off his own father in the process. I don't care. You want to talk <laughs> about this, you know what, as much as we, you know, don't want to talk about TNA because they have no clue what they're doing, I don't think Jeff Jarrett's the solution to the wrestling bubble. Let's be honest here. Jeff Jarrett was a, a decent talker. He went, and like I said, TNA was TNA is was around for one reason, and one reason only, because Jeff Jarrett needed a job and he wasn't going to go and get a job from good old Vinnie Mac. And that's 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 the that's the bottom line. The reason why we had TNA is because Jeff Jarrett couldn't get a job. Jeff Jarrett's no longer part of TNA. He needs a job, and I guess you know, AAA in Mexico isn't a, the solution for him. Just being a worker there, he needs to go and be the head of something. I'm sorry. I, I, maybe, you know, we usually spell it, you know, Triple H, but Double J is basically the same damn thing. Let's be honest here. He, he wants a title around his waist, and the only way, he, only way he's going to do it is if, he, if he's in charge of a company. He's not going to get a job with, 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 with Vince, Stephanie, or, or good old Paul. Let's be honest. The only reason why we care is because TNA is a disaster, and ROH is not on a big enough, you know, playing field for people to care. Jeff Jarrett's going to do exactly what he always does. He's going to go and fail. Enough said. Wow. Wow. Corey, fired up this week. Hey, that is a definite ding, ding, ding rant of the week. Wow. I, I did, the only thing I'm going to say is I think he's up against it, but I think he has money, and I think he might have TV. And I think those two factors give him a chance. Will he mess it up? I think that's very possible. 
But I think unlike a lot of these other markets and, and you know, other companies, he has money and may have TV. And if he has those two things, I think he has a chance. You know, because TNA, we don't know how long that's going to be around for. Ring of Honor is kind of always seems like it's going to be what it's going to be. And then these other companies are kind of regional regional outfits. You know, they're, great, they're great for what they are, but what, what's going to be the difference? I mean, TNA has been around for, what, 10 and a half, 11 years now? Congratulations. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was, a, was the founder of this damn company. He's no longer there. It's the same crap. There's a reason. Yeah, <laughs> I might say the fact I haven't watched TNA for the last three weeks because of WrestleMania build. I wasn't, you know, sitting there going, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing in the history of mankind. It was a couple of good weeks. But is it any better when Jarrett was the head of, you know, creative? You think that he's going to have a company and he's not going to want to be the head of creative? What is he going to do? He's going to bring what? He's going to go and bring back a six-side ring? whoop do freaking do Six sides. Yay. I don't care. Jeff Jarrett is old news, and Jeff Jarrett is doing whatever he can to consider himself relevant and be able to go and keep Karen Jarrett as his, you know, sitting there and not divorcing him because he's got, you know, because he'd be stuck at home. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett so, is not important. If our, if our podcast does become a little more successful, we start getting regular guests on. Jeff Jarrett will never be one of them. <laughs> if he ever listens to this podcast, we better delete this one shortly after we post it. Because uh, you just, you ripped that, that man a new one. You know um, what? If, if Jeremy Boris wants to come on the show, fine. If Kevin Kelly wants to come on the show, fine. If people who actually have a point and actually matter want to come on the show, that's fine. But uh, let's be serious. In the year 2014, Jeff Jarrett doesn't mean crap. Simple. <laughs> you know what? On that note, I think we're going to take a little bit of a, a break. Actually, no, we're almost at an hour right now. So I think the best thing to do is for uh, my partner in crime over there to let people know a couple of ways so they can get in contact with us. And then we're going to actually take a couple of minutes, refresh the, uh, the refreshments, and give you another show, which uh, will be on later on in the week. All right. So to get a hold of us, um, best ways on Twitter, at WorkShootPod. I live-tweeted WrestleMania, live-tweeted Raw. We usually do that. We don't watch CNA anymore, so we're not live-tweeting that. Um, so, yeah, we live-tweet almost all the pay-per-views and, you know, almost every Raw. You can send us your thoughts on the show on there as well. We're also on Facebook at the Work Shoot Podcast. We have a Facebook page, so you can find us on there. Um, and to get uh, links to our podcast, you can go to www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's workshoot.podomatic.com. That has all of our, um, most of our old podcasts on that site. You can go click to it. We've got some great ones like the CM Punk one and um, the one we had with Ed, which was a, a really fun episode. So you can go listen to some of the old podcasts we used to do, that we had. Now, I guess uh, speaking of Ed, just want to quickly let everybody know if uh, you want to listen to a really fun and exciting podcast about pretty much everything, uh, you should check out the Kitchen Sink podcast, which uh, this week they will be talking about their favorite sequels when it comes to comics, video games, movies, and TV. And on that note... We'll be back later on with the sequel to this program where we'll talk about John Cena, Daniel Bryant, the future of uh, the WWE, which we saw a little bit on this week's Raw. So for Corey Richmond, Jason Brooks, we will be back uh, either tomorrow or the next day. But in reality, we'll be back in a few moments. <laughs> See ya. Well, now, here's the WWE. And here's WCW. Well, there's Jeff Jarrett. And here we have the owner of the World Wrestling Federation and now the owner of WCW. That's right. I, Vince McMahon, I have purchased, I own my own competition. <laughs> and tonight, tonight I have the ability to address WWE fans as to what this means. I have the ability to address WCW stars as to what this means to them. And yes, I have the ability to address WCW fans as to what this actually means to them 
as well. Tonight, at the right time, there'll be a special simulcast. And let me just say that tonight, for sure, one man will make history. And that's me, Vince McMahon. Now, as far as the Jeff Jarrett's of the world are concerned, you know how Jeff spells his name? That's J-E-double-F. Well, you know what? Hmm. I would suspect that we'd spell it a different way after tonight. That would be capital G, double O, double N, double E. God.